Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA and enjoy the message. I'm going to read it again, Isaiah 6, verse 1. We're going to read some more verses here. I'm going to read this again, but we're going to... I'm going to share with you something about uh, King Uzziah, and then we're going to continue here. But in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So Isaiah was just starting out here in his ministry of being a prophet. And this was, he, he reigned um, throughout, uh, really, um, um, sorry, uh, Uzziah uh, was at the end of his life right here. Obviously, just the Bible says he just died. But then it says that the prophet, in the midst of somebody dying, an influential person, a person that did a lot of good things, that he saw the Lord. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train, train filled the temple. So I just want to share you a little bit about Uzziah. And we're going to get into the series here, but I think the history of this, when it says this king died, and you can look at this in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26, basically breaks down all of Uzziah's life this particular king, and I just want to give you some history about this. King Uzziah reigned for 52 years in Judah. He, he began to reign at the age of 16. He reigned for 52 years. Um, he accomplished a lot. The Bible says that his fame grew far and wide. It says that actually twice in, in the chapter 26. Um, as long, and the Bible also says this, that as long as he sought the Lord, uh, sought the Lord God, uh, that God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Okay? Um, it says also that he made war against the Philistines, which was God's people's enemy. It was the enemies of Israel. The Bible also says in these regions, he dug wells. Okay? He built towers. He, he built cities in the regions that he fought against the Philistines. He established the kingdom of God. This man was gifted, and he was doing a lot. He, he was, in a sense, like he's an Old Testament type of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an apostle. Like he, he took ground. He conquered territory for the kingdom of God. Also says, this is King Uzziah. Everybody say Uzziah. Okay, it says um, he, also, he also had these people under him, these inventors that created these devices that would that would shoot bone arrow, that would shoot arrows and rocks from these towers. So he, he was, he, there was innovation, technology that came out of this king. Um, um, the Bible specifically says he was marvelously helped by God until he became strong. Somebody say, uh-oh. The Bible says his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. And what he did is he was very prosperous, very successful. He started to reign at the age of 16 and reigned for 52 years. Basically a whole generation. He was a ruler. He was the king of Judah. And he did a lot of things. But once he got strong, he started to mess up. You know? And I don't know what this is. And I, I, I'm not here to pick on the men today. But I believe with men, this is something we need to watch out for more than anything. That power is intoxicating. No amens on that one. I got a mm-hmm. 
But power is intoxicating. I don't care who you are. I don't care when, if God called you as a teenager. When you get influence and power and you start to operate in what God called you to and you start to be effective and move. I, I'm talking to ladies too, but let me just talk to the man. But there's something within the heart of a man that if we don't stay open before the Lord and we don't stay humble before the Lord and we don't have people in our life that will tell us the truth, power is intoxicating. Come on now. Somebody say amen. All right, yeah. um, this, this king was anointed, called, and effective, and he had authority, and he did great things, and he did things right. But once he got into a place where he was um, um, strong, the Bible says, that, that he, he, he got off course. And this is what he did. He was a king, called to be a king. He did what he did well. He took ground. He released people. He, he released innovators. And, and, and he moved the kingdom of God and the, and the nation of, and God's people forward. He, he pushed back the enemy and all that stuff. But what happened was when he got into a, maybe a comfortable place, maybe, maybe he got a little too lifted up. The Bible says he, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. This could happen to anybody. Look at your neighbor and say, this can happen to anybody. Okay, and so this can happen to anybody. This could happen to anybody. There's something about even resources have a way of, of accessing our heart and causing us to be prideful at times. An abundance of resources can be dangerous if we're not humble before the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Abundance of resources. He, he had it going on. And this is what he did wrong. Is he goes into the temple and he starts to try to do priestly duties. Right? Um, you ever see Nacho Libre? He's like, you said you wanted priestly duties. Well, here's your duty. <laughs> right. You guys remember that? No. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I have not been baptized. <laughs> all right. But he, he got involved in a space that he had no right being in. And, and when, when, when we get out of our gift and out of our place, that's when things get, go off. And the priests, uh, all the priests say, hey, put the... Put that down. You're not supposed to give sacrifice. That's our job. That's what we were trained to do. That's our place in the body. And, and then the Bible says he got mad. He got angry. And so God struck him with leprosy. Got leprosy on his forehead. And next thing you know, he, he isolated himself and he died in isolation. Reigned 52 years and got out of his place. Got into something. He, was just, he got presumptuous. He got a little prideful. He thought, oh, if this is working for me, I might as well be able to come over here and do this. And he was, he did not, these priests were like, look, man, we love you. You're doing amazing. You're our king. We're submitted to your authority, man. But don't come up in here trying to do our job. And he got mad. He did not listen to the accountability. And he got leprosy. And he died in isolation. And this is a trip because his name means, um, Uzziah means my strength is God. And he died and he was, he, his authority got stripped from him because he ceased to live up to that. He thought that he was strong. All right. Just, this isn't really tied to my message, but I wanted to preach it anyway before we get into it. But how many of you know that when we lose sight of, 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 of depending on the Lord and, and I would here to tell you his weakness didn't get him in trouble. It was his strength that got him in trouble. It was his gift that got him in trouble, that he started to separate his gift and what he achieved from God, the very one that caused it to happen. The Bible says he was marvelously helped until he became strong. 
It was strength that got him jacked up. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen. Come on now, don't look at me like that. I know, because when we're broken and, and, we're, and, we're, um, and we're in a weak place, I mean, we're like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. You start getting good again. How many of you know some people? Man, it breaks my heart because even people that, that come out of hardcore um, addiction and then things start going good, they don't know how to deal with good. I know plenty of people. I, I'm, in a, I'm a pastor. I'm, I, I'm in the business of helping people, right? And, and when, when, when things get good, they don't know how to act. And I've heard people tell me this. They've addicted time and time again, whether hardcore drugs or crystal meth or whatever it is, that, that, that they're so used to chaos that when God starts to bless them, they don't know how to handle it. Somebody say, somebody say this to me. Say, Lord, help me handle abundance. All right, so here we go. Uh, uh, verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died. This is the thing. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. King Uzziah, tragedy in the midst of tragedy. The nation's in the midst of tragedy. Oh, King Uzziah died. Who was King Uzziah? Man, he messed up. So this is a tragedy in the earth. There's a prophet that he, he, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. And I want to encourage you here. This is my first point is tragedy never diminishes God's authority. Tragedy never changes God's perspective. It, it may break, it breaks God's heart. It ought to break our heart. But God was not thrown off of his throne because somebody else was thrown off of theirs. Right? In the, think about the prophet's perspective. Think about society's perspective. Society, it was a tragedy. But in the midst of tragedy, Isaiah the prophet still saw God on his throne. When things seem to be out of control, I'm here to tell you God is still in control. When, when, when politicians seem to be crazy and out of control, I'm here to tell you, I see the Lord on his throne. So, uh, okay, two amens. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. You don't want to help me out today. That's okay. Tragedy never diminishes God's authority. And what's happening in society never changes God's plan or his heart. Can we as people, as believers, as a local church, as somebody that prays, and can we change what's happening out there? Yes. But when negative things happen, it does not change God's nature. It does not change his place. It does not change where he's seated. He's still sitting down. Still posted up. In heaven, God cherubim all around. You know, the mercy seat. Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He ain't like, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? That's what that we react. Our emotions and our mind react like that. But God, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Does not change who our God is. Our God does not change. I was just talking to my best friend recently over the phone, and we were just talking about the church, and we're like, man, think about in the book of Acts, Apostle Paul's writing a letter to, a, to the church in Ephesus hundreds of years ago, and the church is still here. They, 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 they imprisoned our leaders in the early church, and we are still here. The, God toppled the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Egyptian Empire. The church is still here. Come on, somebody. The church is still here. You can have um, communism or extreme uh, whatever political system, whatever's going on. We had, we, we had um, you know, all kind of craziness throughout history, ruling leaders that did wicked things, Hitler and all this. The church is still here. Oh, Jesus. 
Come on now. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't thwart the plan of God. I saw in the same year this tragedy, this tragic leader died. And God was still on his throne. And I'm here to tell you, regardless of what is happening in your life, God is still sitting on his throne. That things didn't turn out just how I wanted. God is still sitting on his throne. He, he's seated with, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You can be at a place in God where you see him when nobody else does. So prophet Isaiah, he still saw God. Tragedy happened. He's like, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It's amazing how you can be in the presence of God. You can be in such a horrible situation in your life or something happening or just, and it's real and it it hurts and it's tragic. But then you get in the presence of God and it's entirely different than what's happening out there. Does anybody know I'm talking about? You get in the presence of God and it is a different world. It It is where God is. And the Bible says that in his presence is the fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Isaiah 45 verse 6. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. They don't have this back there. But here it is. That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. Not me, but God, right? This is God talking. Isaiah 45, 6, that that they may know from the rising of the sun to the setting, to its setting, that there is none beside me. There is none beside God. I am the Lord and there is no other. Hallelujah. Tragedy never diminishes God's authority. Tragedy never changes God. Well, did God cause it or not? I'm just here to say whether it happened or not, it doesn't change God. I don't understand all the mysteries in God and how he does everything, but I'm here to tell you right now that nothing changes him. I, it, uh, well, well, you know, and people say, man, the church and this and that, and you got these preachers out there, they preach stuff that ain't in the Bible. You know what? That's, that's tragic. I don't like hearing people talking about, yeah, I'm a Christian, and they preach stuff that ain't in the Bible. They're preaching about, they're preaching how sins or certain sins aren't sins anymore. No, it doesn't change God. It's still a sin. We need to be forgiven. Let's not water down what sin is to, to, to appease our own life. Let's let it be. Let, let's, let, let's believe what it says. It's not going to change God anyway. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't change God. It's not going to change his church. There is a bride. There is a remnant in the earth. And they are going to live for him and, and proclaim truth for the purpose of bringing freedom to humanity. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 2. It says, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Two, he covered his feet. So, mate, you get in the presence of God. doesn't matter who's in the room. doesn't matter. They covered their faces. Who cares? It's not about me. Get in the presence of God. These, these seraphim are like, look, it's not about me. It's not about me, and it's not about what I do. Covered their feet, covered their face. Said, holy, holy, holy. That's, all, that's what it's about. Worship ain't about you. I said, worship ain't about you. It's not about me. It's not about anybody. It's about God. These seraphim had enough sense to go, look, I'm just going to say holy. I'm just going to cover everything. Come on now. Come on now. With two, he covered his face, and two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. 
One cried out to the other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. How could Isaiah have such a picture of what God's, God's um, as we're learning at our connect group, you know, the, the, uh, the, the abundance of his riches in Christ. That they've seen that the whole earth is full. Wait a minute, the whole earth is full of his glory? King Uzziah just died. What are you talking about? The whole earth, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is proof right here. This, this prophetic vision is proof that you can worship and be in the presence of God while there's turmoil all around. <laughs> you, you don't need things to work out just right for you to get in the presence of God. You get in the presence of God and watch him work those things out. This, I'm going to say it again. This is proof that you can worship and be in the glory and presence of God while there's chaos all around. Chaos doesn't change the presence of God. I believe there's something about those environments, those external pressures and wars that actually, if you're called of God and you're walking with God, those things are going to push you into the presence of God. They don't going to pull me out. Devil can, look, at the devil came at Job with everything he could, and it got Job in the presence of God. There's my servant Job. Go ahead, devil. Give him your best shot. Come on now. I'm going to say it again. This is proof that you can worship and be in the presence of God while there's turmoil all around. Hallelujah. Sometimes I sense the presence of God more at times when I feel the most pressure on the outside, when I feel the most hurt on the outside, when, when, when something ain't quite working out on the outside. There's something that the presence of God, the glory of God isn't subject to that. Hallelujah. You're like, where are we going with this, Pastor Sean? This is supposed to be about don't leave me like this. Yeah, get in the presence of God and you will be changed. Come on now. All right, verse 4. Verse 4. And the, and the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. God's voice. We're getting somewhere with this, but I just want to, I want to go through this here. I want to look at this. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. All right, not a smoke machine, but like real smoke. And it doesn't even say the glory of God. This isn't the cloud. This is actual smoke. Smoke comes from fire. And there's only smoke in that environment because there was a sacrifice in that environment. And this is the thing worship is a sacrifice. And I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, people want the cloud, but they don't want to deal with no smoke. And smoke, it means something burning. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? I want the fire alarm to go off in this place. Actually, I think we have to get those things installed, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> People are like, okay, I'm not coming back next week until Pastor Sean confirms on Instagram that we have our fire alarms. <laughs> we have them in the, re in the bathrooms. We do. I promise you. Go look. Not now, but afterwards. You can... But smoke. There's smoke. Like, I looked at that going, smoke? I looked it up. I was like, that's got to be Shekinah glory in the Hebrew. I looked. It's smoke. Smoke. Why? Sacrifice. Because, because here it is. Turmoil on the outside. There had to be a sacrifice for God to show sacrifice. There's, there's something, I believe, everyone in here to some degree, one way or another, you know what a sacrifice has been for you to serve God. There's been something that you have denied, that you've pushed aside, that you have said, no, I'm going to lay this down. I'm going to lay this attitude down. I'm going to lay this bitterness down. I'm going to lay this time, my time down. I'm going to lay my treasure down. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to burn this thing at the feet of Jesus and he's going to respond to my 
my sacrifice. The house, it was filled with smoke. When God spoke, the, the sacrifice happened and there was smoke in there. The smoke or sacrifice came after God's voice shook the place. Worship is our answer to God's voice. Worship is God's answer, is our answer to God's voice. There's a sacrifice. And so God will never bring us to uh, um, growing in him. Here we go. Um, and walking in him and going to that next place in him and understanding him and walking with him. And, and you know, you hear the terminology a lot, you know, the next level or whatever, that next place that God has you to going from glory to glory on your path, on your journey. Sacrifice is part of the process. And God responds to sacrifice. God responds to sacrifice. And whatever that is in your personal life, understand and know that sacrifice is on the path of obedience. That there is a sacrifice. Jesus, this is all representative of Jesus. Jesus was a sheep led to the slaughter. He was a spotless lamb sacrificed on Golgotha's hill and God responded with fire. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Here we go. So I said, in the presence of God, woe is me. Hallelujah. You get in the presence of God, you're going to start seeing things about yourself that you want to, to be changed. Can I get a witness? You ever get in the presence of God and you say, God, can you help me out with this thing right here? God, I need to work, work on this thing. You ever just maybe even forgot about something? You go to God and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, Lord, forgive me of that. Apologize. Oh, yeah, I got to talk to that person. I do. Do I really have to go talk to them and apologize? And the Lord says, yes, my little lamb, go. Woe is me, for I am undone. You get in the glory of God. Somebody say, don't leave me like this. <laughs> Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm undone. I'm not finished. Actually, that word is, means a lot more than that. It means I'm, I'm literally come undone. I am destroyed. Like, you know, um, <clears throat> things aren't going so good. So I say, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's, it's so awesome, I, you know, that in walking with God and getting in the presence of God and, and pursuing Him and reading your Bible, there's going to be moments where you're feeling all that. You feel His love and His presence, and then you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and you're seeing Him, and you're walking with Him. But you're like, wow, I need to really work on that. and Because he's, he's seeing the glory of God. Smoke filled the house. The cherubim come, and he's like, woe is me, for I'm undone. I've seen the King, and but then I am undone, and I and I am a man of unc in my mouth, my words, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's interesting that they were under a king that was struck with leprosy, and leprosy is unclean. That we, as people in authority, parents, people in the marketplace. We got to watch our life because the uncleanness of that leader got on the nation. Because here he is before God in the presence of God talking about the very thing that that, that king died of. And leprosy was unclean. It was unclean. Somebody say, don't leave me like this. Woe is me for I'm undone. Woe is me for I am 
undone, not condemned. He's not condemned. He's not, God's not pushing him away. This isn't con condemnation. This is conviction. Conviction is beautiful. Conviction is God putting his finger on something because he loves us. Conviction is God, is God moving something aside and saying, oh, let's deal with that thing right now. Right? Anybody ever, God ever deal with anything in your life? He ever put his finger on something and you felt like, oh, Lord, yes, I need to deal with that. Come on, help me out. Come on, talk to me here. Like, you know, and that's not condemnation. That is love. Bible, Bible says speaking the truth in love. Truth is part of, of a freedom. It's without, you know, you know, if we will know the truth, the truth will set us free. God wants us to come to him and get in his presence. But when we get in his presence, it's not unicorns and rainbows. All the time. It's not just, you know, it, the, the presence of God will bring conviction to our life. And because of that, there's freedom. Conviction brings freedom. Conviction is the love of God. Conviction is God putting his hand on something, putting his finger on something. He says, woe is me for I'm undone. This is the process of spiritual growth right here. This prophet experienced it. Before he began to prophesy to the nations, got in the presence of God, saw the Lord, turmoil in the nation. It's just tragedy in the, in the nation. He's in the presence of God. And God's like, oh, I'm going to touch some things right now. How many of you want God to touch some areas of your life? Anybody want God to put his hand on you? Come on now. Don't make me lay hands on you. Weighs heavy when it lands on you. Some of y'all laughing like, no, Pastor Sean, them biceps ain't going to weigh too heavy on <laughs> But God wants to put his hand on you. I, I would, I mean, you know, like he is the uh, potter. Put his hands on He's going to, he's going to smash that thing. He's going he's gonna to mold that. Somebody say amen. Man, I would, I want to be in God's hands. It doesn't always feel good, but to have God's hands on you, you're going to be just fine. You're going to be better. I say, we got to let God put his hands on us. He is the potter. We are the clay. Somebody say to say, God, put your hands on me. Right? God, put your hands on me. Put your hand. Here it is. For whoa, I am undone. This is the process. This is, this is walking with Jesus. This is the Christian life. This is the Jesus following life. This is, I'm a Jesus follower. I want to be a disciple. This is the process, the presence of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and us saying, Lord, put your hand on me. Here it is. Woe is me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. And it is so beautiful. That the thing he dealt with, he began to pray, in a sense, to cry out for the nation he was in. It was something about his issue was connected to the people he was called to. Oh, man. Isn't that good? Check this out. He was a man of unclean lips. And, man, I got people around me with unclean lips. I got some unclean lips, and I'm around some people with some potty mouths. I got a potty mouth. And I'm around some people that got some potty mouths. Anybody got some people around you got a potty mouth? Amen. Somebody said amen. <laughs> right? Right? And, and, and this isn't necessarily just, you know, I, I'm not going to try to downplay this. It's just their, their words. We're not honoring to God. It's amazing how he was undone, unclean, and it was all attached to his mouth. Here it is. Here's my second point. Here's my second point. God desires to complete his work in you. 
God desires to complete his work in you. We say God desires to complete his work in you. Yeah. So I said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity or guilt is taken away in your sin purged there's there are some things that only God can heal and mend in your life there's some things that only God can do and it's going to come from his altar there's only some things there are some things in your life that nobody else can do it for you it's got to come from the presence of God I said there's some things in your life some of some people are plagued with insecurity it's because they don't get in the presence of God and discover his love for them I'm not saying we don't all fight with insecurity but it's a difference between having to fight something and resist something and push that thing back and somebody being plagued with it, even in the house of God, plagued because they're not in the presence of God. You get in the presence of God, you're going to find out who you are. Some people, some people, you know, they, they, they love God. I'm not saying they're not saved, but I'm here to tell you right now, don't leave me like this. That's what we're talking about this month. You don't have to be plagued and vexed by depression. You don't have to be. I'm not saying I have all the answers, and I know there's, there's, there's medical things and chemical imbalances and all that. I'm not taken away from the reality of somebody's process, but I'm here to tell you that you don't have to compl take complete ownership of every struggle you're in. Let the struggle be the struggle. It's not your identity. Separate that joker from who you are. Don't own it. Don't own it. Don't own it like a new pair of sneakers. Own the new sneakers. Don't own that garbage. You know, come on, somebody. Don't own that. I said, don't own it. Don't own it. Don't own it. Just be like, woe is me. I am undone. That's a, start, that's a starting point. But don't own that stuff. Don't own anxiety. Do not own it. Your faith is bigger than anxiety. Do not own rejection. Nobody likes me. No, no, no. I know it might feel like that. That's a lie from the devil. I like you. I like everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, I like you. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> Don't own that. I'm undone. Start there. Lord, I'm, I'm dealing with this. So he said, Lord, I'm undone. Don't leave me. I'm in the presence of God. Don't leave me. I ain't trying to just get a nice little, nice little fix in the presence of God. I'm trying to get changed in the presence of God. I'm not just trying to talk about this experience. Ooh, I saw an angel. Yeah, but you still nasty. Oh, I saw an angel. I saw the glory. But yeah, you uncommitted, showing up late, and you saw an angel. I'm sure that the angel made you late for church. Oh, no, I'm in trouble now. Uh, at least I got you. Y'all woke up now. <laughs> Right? <laughs> no, but y'all hearing me? Why, why, why people try to act all spiritual and you still nasty, but super spiritual, indifferent, don't love nobody, but you saw an angel last night. I'm sure you did. Oh, come on now. You need to see some more angels. I mean, this ain't about what you see. It's about your, the changed life. This ain't about my spiritual experience. It's about Christ's likeness. This ain't about, ooh, I saw this, and I see that, and this thing, and, uh, and you know, and I had a dream, and a vi uh, praise God, that's all in the word, but if you still nasty, something wrong. 
I say, if you ain't acting like Jesus, something wrong. You so spiritual, but don't love nobody. You so spiritual, ain't in no connect group. Ain't accountable to nobody. Oh, man, this feels good up in here. Boyle Boyle Heights loves this stuff. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Amen. Yeah. Come on now. This is about coming out the presence of God changed. Different. You know what I'm saying? I've been changed. That's a song somewhere in in the gospel annals of gospel music. Right. I've been changed. For real. Anybody been changed? Anybody got a testimony? Anybody got delivered a nasty? And then, and then some people, like, they get, they, they, they do, they, 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 they're inclined to see and experience things in the spirit. But then you, just like King Uzziah, because you feel so strong, you exalt yourself and have spiritual pride. You got people all around you serving, and you think you're above them because you saw an angel. You aren't more spiritual than they are. The Bible says the greatest shall serve. The greatest of these is to love. You could, come on, this ain't in my message, but it's in the spirit in the room right now. The great, you know, you could have all kinds of spiritual gifts, and God's like, I don't even know you. You sound like a bunch of noise. I need earplugs. You in God's presence, and he got earplugs on. Clanging, cymbal, brass, ain't no fruit in between the, the gift. Yeah, Jesus. Come on now, fruit of the Spirit. I'm here to tell you the fruit of the Spirit is far more important than the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit are part, but you will be held accountable for behavior. Well done, good and gifted. Nope. Well done, great prophesier and dream interpreter. Nope. Well done, good and faithful. Somebody say behavior. Praise God. Work on your behavior. The gifts will operate. Work on, your, work on, work on how you treat people. Work on, on how you interact with others. Work on that. The greatest of these is love. Hallelujah. God, God touched that exact area he confessed about. Isn't that cool? God, what, what he confessed opened the door. What if he said, Lord, I've been doing some nasty stuff with my hands? God would have been like, give me those hands. I'm going to put some coals in your hand. Lord, I've been going someplace I shouldn't go. Even pour some coals up on that feet. He said, Lord, what he confessed, the Lord's like, oh, you want me to touch that? Okay. Confession opens the door to freedom. But you got to be specific. You, I know this is too much for some of y'all, huh? You're like, man, you're coming at me like that on a Sunday. I'm trying. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, woman of God. Over here on the worship team. That's right. God touched the exact area he confessed about. God is attracted to the areas of our life we are honest about. Isn't that that beautiful? The thing he confessed is the thing God touched. The thing we, the areas we're vulnerable to the Lord in are the areas he will bring victory in. Pride, the Bible says, pride is what stops us from being vulnerable before the Lord. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the areas we're most vulnerable in are the areas God's most attracted to. 
because it's open. God, God, God is going to, God is going to respond to our pursuit. Respond. You know, if you draw nigh to God in a certain area, he's going to draw nigh to you in that area. And we all have them. We all have areas. Anybody got an area that you could say, you know what? I could use the Lord putting his hand on that one. Anybody could use a few hot coals in some areas. Am I the only one? Some of you are like, I need a lot of hot coals, Pastor Sean. I need him to burn a lot of stuff up. Somebody say, you know, when Jesus came, the Bible, John the Baptist said, it says his winnowing fork is in his hand. He's coming with unquenchable fire. Jesus, it's all about Jesus, the fire of God. Purify my heart, oh God. Come on, touch me. God touched that exact area he confessed about. God is attracted to the areas of our life we're honest about. God is attracted. God will bring victory to where we're vulnerable. Where we are vulnerable, victory will come. Confession and vulnerability before God brings freedom and purpose. Said so confession and vulnerability before God brings freedom and purpose. Here's my next point. Our mouth can activate or hinder God's work in us. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Your mouth can activate or hinder what goes on in your marriage. Your mouth can activate or hinder what goes on at the work in the marketplace. Your, your mouth, your mouth, you know, the Bible says, you know, that, that ships are steered with a small rudder. Our life, our life, our purpose, our destiny is steered with a small rudder called our tongue. Our tongue controls it. Our tongue is the, is the, um, is the um, uh, pivotal, pivot point in our destiny that your tongue will you know, and you might be thinking, oh, it's not that big a deal, but you just turn from your point where you are now and your mouth gets off course. You start talking mess and garbage about yourself. You might not look like you're too far off here, but you keep going down this way and you're way off from where, you, where you're supposed to be. Somebody say, touch my mouth, Lord. Say, touch my tongue, Lord. Say, don't leave me like this. So, so your mouth can hinder. It can activate. It can hinder. Actually, I'll go a step further. It brings life to purpose or it kills it. Your tongue is a killer or a life giver. Be careful what you say. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Our mouth can activate or hinder God's work in us. Our mouth can activate or hinder. You know what? Our mouths are either speaking life and they can speak, they can speak gossip and all. That's all witchcraft. That's demonic. That is demonic. That releases stuff. Words are powerful. Uh, you know, people gossiping about people behind their back trying to tear them down. Those are demonic words. Those are death, death. You know, th those are death. Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. And we're, we're speaking death with something he died for to overcome. Those, that's, that's some witchcraft. You know what I'm saying? Anybody ever experienced people talking about you behind your back? It messes with your head. It's, it's spiritual. It's spiritual. Words are spiritual. Words are spiritual, and God, he's in the presence of God, and God knew, and he knew, and he confessed, and God was attractive. It's his tongue, God. I mean, God, I mean, we're talking behavior now. He went like, Lord, just anoint me with oil so that when I prophesy, uh, 200 people fall over. He said, no, I touch my mouth, my behavior. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Here we go. Here we go. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Capital U. Somebody say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, they were all up in the room right there. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? Isn't that cool? It, us. <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
and who will go for us. Then I said, here am I, send me. Our walk with God is, is both God's sovereignty and our willful choice. It's both. I'll say it again. I'll walk with God and your purpose is both God's sovereign hand. There are moments in my life where I'll go, this is nothing more than the sovereign hand of God. So I think, I, I think time gives us a healthy perspective of sovereignty. Because as we go through life, I, more and more I go through life, I look back and go, wow, that's sovereignty. <laughs> like, I didn't know it at the moment, but that was God's sovereign hand. His ability to self-govern our lives and to orchestrate things that, have, that are totally separate from anything anybody will ever try to do against us or even for us. That God's sovereign will... It's both God's sovereign will and our willful choice. Because he said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah was sovereignly chosen by God. But here he is. I find this fascinating. That many times in the, in the word, God poignantly called somebody. He's like, look, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. Very specific. Apostle Paul, very specific. Um. Gideon, very specific. He, Isaiah's in the presence of God. There's smoke, all kind of stuff. Got coals up on his mouth. And God's like, hmm, who should I send? Who will go? And I'm thinking, man, Isaiah's the only one in the room. Like, why are you throwing out a question like that? And I believe sometimes, even in my own life, sometimes I've responded to something I perceived God asking. It wasn't specific, but he just threw it out there. In the presence of God, he's like, hmm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, he will, he will subtly kind of throw out a thought. And you're like, huh, I wonder if that. Anybody ever go, man, I wonder if this is God. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder if we should go to Mendez High School. Hmm. It wasn't like a prophet came in and says, Sanctuary LA, you shall go to Mendez High School. That'd be great. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? That the, I want you to, to, to really seek the Lord this week and ask him those and, and what are there's something I believe there's something God is leading you towards. And you're like, hmm, is this you? Right? Like God never told me to marry Crystal Gale. But he said, who will I send? I said, pick me. I'll go pick me. I'll go. You know that one in the class? You know? I, I like to do interactive Bible studies. You always got the one that's always like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're always, and it's awesome. But they're that one, you know? In the presence of God, be that one. Over here. And you know, you're not supposed to say anything either, so you're like. Some of you are like, that wasn't me. Who was in the back of the class? Never raise your hand. Raise your hand now. Just, okay. Say, Lord, don't leave me like this, okay? <laughs> Lord, don't. Who was in the back of the class? Didn't want nobody. Anybody too? Like, you know, like nowadays they got them in little groups, and you're, and, and you're like, anybody just like the rose? I ain't trying to face nobody. I ain't trying to be in a group against my will. Anyway, 
Another story. Sorry, I have educators in the room, and they're probably like, that is so wrong, Pastor Sean, because that is what's really teaching our kids nowadays to be social and engage with others. All right. Somebody say, pick me, Lord. So here it is. Here's my next point. I'm almost done. The call from God isn't always obvious. It must be perceived. The call of your next place, of what, you're, what God is leading you to, the call from God isn't always obvious. It must be perceived. Because he just threw it out there. He said, go and tell. And I think this is beautiful because if you're in the presence of God, and you're hearing from God, and you're letting him touch your mouth, and you are seeking him, and, you're, and you, you are lit, genuinely hearing the voice of God, and it's not so direct, it's very just constantly maybe hitting something out there, maybe he's showing you a need, because in his prayer there was a need, he's like, man, I'm in the midst of a people of unclean lips, God, there's a need out there, and God's like, hmm, you mentioned that, you're praying about that, hmm, Isaiah, I wonder who go help me fix this. And, and, and the call of God isn't always obvious. It must be perceived. Verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people. Go and tell this people. Go, go, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go, go. Not just sit, but go. You know, you've probably heard this before. Two-thirds of God is G-O, go. It's in the name of God. Go. God is saying, Go. Do something. Get up. Go. I want to encourage you that, that this is God. God is always saying go to his people. It is all over this thing. Go. Go. Tell somebody. Tell your story. Share your story. Tell them. Go. Go. Right? And he said go and tell them. And, he's, and he broke down what he was to tell them. Here it is. This is my last point. Responding to God's call is always a step of faith. Responding to God's call is always a step of faith. He said, go. He's in the presence of God. This happened so fast. Do you realize that Isaiah, in the presence of God, God touches him. Do you realize how many prophecies, I don't know the exact number, are in Isaiah about Jesus? It is insane. At the end of this chapter, it mentions that he's going to cut the nation down to a bunch of stumps, but there's a righteous seed in the soil still. Jesus. This man right here, God in the presence of God, allowed God to touch him, change his behavior and then the call came the call came I'm here to tell you right now that God calls some serious characters he does call some characters the call of God there's no um, he, he's in this is a moment in the presence of God there's no in this scripture, there's no like narrative of in this moment of a process between God touching him and God calling him. The call of God comes in a moment. Then the process begins. But it's so beautiful that God didn't wait for him to get to practice. <laughs> he, didn't let, he didn't let him practice. He didn't let him give this thing a little trial. In the, the moment... 
This moment, this one time, this prayer closet moment, this time with God, it's like, go. Go. Every head bowed, every head closed. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.